Will you join me for prayer? Holy and gracious Father, truly you are great. Truly you love us. Lord, you continue to break into our lives when we least expect it. The gospel goes forth, creating believers out of us. We ask, Lord, that you would speak into the deep parts of our minds and our bodies and our, and our faith, the parts that, that doubt and question. Lord, speak to such places and, and, and make believers out of those places in us as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This last week has been a fun week for me. Seeing those walls go up was wonderful. On Tuesday, I drove in, and, and you had all these flat beds there, and I was so excited. And then the crane got put together. I mean, it's not a single crane. It's a crane bottom, then they put something on top, and then they put the boom on that reached 125 feet up in the air, and that's over 12 stories. This crane, I found out, could lift 300 tons, which Herb Stifel told me that's a, a 747. It's just amazing how big this thing was. It was great. And as the walls are going up, you should have seen the traffic. People are going, oh, you know. I'm all, Lord, please don't let there be a car accident. <laughs> Even more, people start stopping and gathering. They, there was a, a real buzz in the air, and people were asking, well, when, is the, when does your church meet? When are your services? Do you have a youth group? It was, it was great. How many people were just stopped looking at this and excited? It was truly, it was truly amazing. There's a sense that, that something was happening. There's an expectation. I share this with you because the Gospel of Mark, when you're reading it, you can sense the excitement. The Gospel of Mark begins with the verse, verse 1 that says, The beginning of the Gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. These are words of excitement. This is the beginning of the, the gospel, the, the good news about Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Son of God. What a great statement. And then immediately, things start to happen. Things begin to move and, and shake. You have John the Baptist showing up on the scene and, and crowds gathering around to hear him preach. And then you have Jesus show up. He's baptized. The heavens are torn open. The Holy Spirit ascends upon him. God himself speaks, this is my son in whom I love, in whom I'm well pleased. And then Jesus is immediately driven out into the wilderness, tempted by the devil. He overcomes that. Jesus then immediately begins to teach after that in the synagogue where he teaches with authority. He even casts out demons. And we're only on verse 29. And I skipped the part about him calling disciples and saying, follow me. And they immediately drop their nets and follow Jesus. I mean, can you catch the excitement of this, this chapter? I mean, you need to take a breath. I mean, I'm out of breath just talking about it. That's what's going on here. It's exciting. The gospel is, is on the loose. Christ is moving. The gospel is advancing. That's what you get as you start to read the gospel of Mark. Now, there's a funny thing that happens when the gospel advances. There's always opposition. Jesus is baptized. The Holy Spirit anoints him. God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. What happens immediately after that? He's tempted by the devil. Or Jesus is in the synagogue. He's, he's, 
teaching with authority, and what happens? A demon-possessed man comes and tries to get the upper hand with Jesus. Right? The devil's always opposing the gospel, trying to fight it. Even in our passage, Jesus has just left the synagogue. He's going to eat with his disciples. What a a truly holy and, and wonderful event for these early disciples to have a meal with Jesus, their master, to begin to get to know him. But there's a problem. What's the problem? Someone said it. Maybe we weren't listening. That's the problem. No. (laughs) Peter's mother-in-law is sick. She has a fever. The houses aren't as big as our own houses. There's not extra rooms. Could you imagine eating with a sick person right in the middle of your table with a fever? I mean, there's a problem right there. Even more, she has a fever, a high fever. You know, fevers are scary. Any of you who've had a fever, it's scary. It's, I think it's more frightening when it's your child. You know, you get a 104-degree temperature, and you're ready to, to break down any hospital door and drive them there because it's scary. Now, thankfully for us, we get Tylenol. You know, we can give our kids Tylenol, and that keeps it between that 104 down to 101. You don't want it to go too low. Right? I mean, you know how this works, parents. You've all been there. But could you imagine Jesus' day? There's no Tylenol. There's no way to medicate this, no way to take down a fever. Fever might be 104, might be 105, might be 106, and you can't stop it. You, don't, you can't go and get ice from the, the refrigerator. There's no refrigerator or freezer. When a fever would come, and, and Luke's gospel says a high fever, when a high fever was there, that's scary. Death is about to happen. This is a scary time for the disciples. A real problem. And so that's why you can see in their fear that that they begin to talk to Jesus about her. In fact, verse 30 says, verse 30 says this, it says, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. Again, high fever, Luke's gospel. And they told Jesus about her. I like those words. They told Jesus about her. I mean, this right here teaches us what prayer looks like. I mean, what is prayer? It's simply talking to Jesus, telling Jesus about those people we love. I think too often many of us were taught to pray where you always have to say, thy will be done. Right? So you pray and you go, oh, Lord, um, pray for my job, thy will be done. Oh, Lord, I pray for my, my child, thy will be done. Oh, Lord, I pray for this church that will be done. Doesn't that sound strange a little bit? I mean, you don't talk that way to people. I mean, we, I think we forget that when Jesus said, thy will be done, we forget that he had petitioned God for hours. He struggled. He wept. He pleaded. He sweated blood. And then said, thy will be done. He wasn't quick to say, oh, Lord, you're sovereign, thy will be done. No, he pleaded, he prodded, he begged, he cried out. Could you imagine Peter coming to Jesus, his mother-in-law sick? Well, some of you are going, I can imagine him saying very little because it's a (laughs) mother-in-law. I love my mother-in-law, though, so I would plead, and I do plead. But could you imagine him simply going, you know, Jesus, she's sick, thy will be done. 
You wouldn't say it that way. You say, Jesus, my mother-in-law, in that house, her name is this. She has a high fever, a very high fever. Jesus, can you get rid of that fever? Jesus, can you heal her? We don't know if you can heal or not, but we saw you cast out a demon. You seem to speak with authority. Would you please speak with authority to this fever? Would you cast it out? Jesus, would you, would you please heal this? Would you have mercy? Jesus, will you show up? Will you come in and, and heal her? I mean, that's the tone that you're going to get because that's what happens when you love someone. You, you plead for them. You cry out for them. That's what prayer looks like. Now, of course, there are times when Jesus doesn't answer those prayers. There's times when we don't get healing. Jesus asked that the cross would be removed from him. It wasn't. Paul asked that the thorn in his flesh would be removed from him. It wasn't. But they asked, and they pleaded. And then, when they realized that no, it wasn't going to be removed. When, when God was doing something deeper than they could possibly understand, it was only then that they could submit their will to say, thy will be done. But you better believe a lot of pleading and prodding and crying happened before they ever got to thy will be done. says in our passage that the disciples told Jesus about her, pleaded with Jesus, asked Jesus to heal her. Well, Jesus does. Verse 31, so Jesus went to her, took her by hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Now, the most important word here is, it says he took her by hand and helped her up. Literally, it's he raised her up. And it's the same word that is he resurrected her. In other words, Jesus entered into this situation, into this home where death was present, where she was surely dying. And Jesus reaches down into death. This is a foreshadow of the cross, of course. Reaches down into death. And raises her. Resurrects her. If you read through the Gospel of Mark, you should underline every time it says he raises someone up or he lifts them up. Because it's the same word as resurrection. Jesus is the one who will come into a deathly situation. Raise you up. Isn't that a good word? <laughs> this week we talked about death with the confirmation students. We talked about various things and, and we talked about though that God is the God who raises from the dead and how that's a good word. That's what Jesus is doing. He's raising from the dead. He's reaching to a, a, a woman who's sick, high fever, dying and resurrects her. Amazing what Jesus can do. Jesus is on the move. The gospel is advancing. Do you think Jesus is done working for the day? No way. Let's read what else happens. That evening after sunset, that means 
The Sabbath is over, which means people can now move freely. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Could you imagine the scene? I, I love to picture this. The whole town has been in the synagogue worshiping. They see Jesus cast out the demon. Suddenly, all of them think to themselves, whoa, if he has this much authority, if he can do this, you know, I have loved ones who are sick. Maybe he can heal. So they rush home. But it's a Sabbath. They can't go yet to Jesus. They can't do this journey. So they come home and they probably say, Jimmy, get ready. Johnny, get, get over here. You know, Abraham, come, come close. And they're watching the sun go down. Come on, speed up. Get going. Get going. And all of a sudden, the sun's down. The Sabbath is over. The week begins. And at that, instantly, the whole town rushes to the door of where Jesus is staying. Jesus, Jesus, can you heal us? And I, I love to think, well, how did this actually look like, right? When the whole town is gathered at that door. They're all there. And someone has to be the first one to get healed. And you don't know if he can heal or not. You know he can cast out the demons. They don't see what's happened inside the house. And so they're all there. Well, who's going to step forward? <laughs> you know, if they're Lutheran, they're all trying to stay in the back of the line, <laughs> pushing someone forward. But some brave soul goes forward. And Jesus heals this person. It's miraculous. And so another soul goes forward. Jesus heals a person who's blind. Another one comes forward. Jesus heals someone who can't hear. I mean, it says many were healed on that day. And it says of various diseases. So all kinds. And you can imagine after the serious ones were taken care of, suddenly everyone's sitting back and they go, you know, I got a couple pains here. <laughs> hey, Jesus, my elbow really hurts. I work. Can you heal that? Jesus, I got a toothache. Dentists aren't invented yet, you know? I mean, can you take care of that? I've lost six already. I, I like to keep this one. I mean, I'm not kidding. I mean, my back hurts. Jesus, can you, can you heal? I mean, you can see that after he's done all this healing, everyone's rushing upon him. Jesus, my, my finger, my foot, my toe, my knee, my hip, my heart. Can you heal these things? And the best part is Jesus heals a lot of them. It says he heals many. He casts out many demons. And that's a whole other thing, thought in itself. Someone gets healed, the demon gets cast out, and they go... Oh, we always knew she had a demon in her. <laughs> I knew there was something odd about her. But he, he casts out many demons. He heals many people of various diseases, all kinds. Proof that Jesus is on the move. The gospel is advancing. I mean, that's the point of this whole passage, of the whole chapter of all of Scripture, is that Jesus is on the move. The kingdom of God is advancing. The kingdom of God does not just belong in heaven. Jesus is born. The kingdom of God comes to earth. And the kingdom of God doesn't just belong in the synagogue. No, it extends out into Peter's home. And the kingdom of God doesn't just belong on the Sabbath. When the sun sets, the kingdom of God goes into the whole week. And the kingdom of God doesn't just belong to the disciples. 
It's given out, it extends to the whole city. And the kingdom of God doesn't just belong to that little village in Capernaum. No, it's going to extend to the other villages around it. And it's going to move to Jerusalem and then to the ends of the earth. In fact, Jesus says here, it says in verse 37 and then 38, the disciples come to Jesus and when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Jesus advised Jesus, I say, great, let them worship me. But that's not what Jesus does. His reply is, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages. So I can preach there also. Because that's why I came. The kingdom of God is not going to belong in one little spot. It's advancing. Jesus is on the move. That's the point. And don't you understand? That means even today, the kingdom of God doesn't belong in this little book. It doesn't belong 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. The kingdom of God occurs even now in this place. In the confession, we confess our sins. The kingdom of God is there saying, you're forgiven. And the kingdom of God occurred at the first service as three young people were baptized. One is a confirmation student who came because the Fredericksons asked, invited them, said, you know, you got to get your kid confirmed. Well, she brought her sister, who's in Awesome Adventures, and they brought their older brother, and all three of them were baptized today. Because that's the kingdom of God. It's on the move. And the kingdom of God occurs in Sunday school as we learn about Christ, as we learn about the Gospels, as those brave souls stood in front of the whole church this, this morning in between services and said the books of the Old Testament in order. That's the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God moving, advancing, growing inside of us. That's what the kingdom of God does. It keeps going forward. It keeps moving. It doesn't belong just to a church, though. It extends when we leave. And it doesn't just belong on Sunday. It extends into our work. The kingdom of God goes with us as we do our jobs, as we love our neighbors, and we love our spouses. In all these things, the kingdom of God is moving, advancing. Christ is present going forward step by step, minute by minute, day by day, hour by hour, week by week, month by month, year by year. The King God is advancing. And because it's advancing, there's great opposition that arises. I mean, we're sinners, so we even oppose the gospel. I've opposed the kingdom of God, and I'll oppose it again. Not intentionally. Well, even maybe intentionally. I mean... But the sinner in us also tries to get in the way. The sinner in us doubts it. The sinner in us says, there's no way God can do that. But the sinner in us can't stop the gospel. You can't stop Christ's work. Even now, as you sit there, whether you're aware of it or not, God is reaching into those dead places within you, grabbing them. And beginning to make a new you. Beginning to make a resurrected you. Is he done? Well, I don't see anyone that he's done with, including myself. (laughs) But it's advancing. And it's moving. The kingdom of God. Christ is on the loose. The kingdom of God is advancing. Every day. When I first took this call at this church, my seminary buddies all said I was nuts. 
you know, they took calls all across the country, and they were all at Rouse Seminary. They took calls, and they were, you know, the second, third pastor of these 10,000-member churches. And they said, a 20-person church? Is, that, is, it, is there just no churches out there, Russ? I mean, they asked me that. They just, what are you doing? I mean, is it just no off, I mean, any offers? I mean, why, why that? And I kind of, I told them, you know, I don't know, but I know God wants me here, and I know what God, this call is just foolish enough to be of God. That's what I'd say. In fact, my email I set up was ICOR127, 1 Corinthians 127, which is God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. I didn't put that down until after taking this call. I don't know what happened, but I, this was a fool's call. But nothing's foolish with God. I mean, this, this is what God does. The, the kingdom advances. It works day by day, person by person. Confirmation class of zero becomes one, becomes four, becomes 17. gospel advances. Now it's funny, my friends call me up and they go, hey, can we get a job? No. <laughs> but they say, they go, good, your church is getting built. Eight years later, the church is getting built. Are you going to put your foot, feet up and, and relax now and say you've made it? I go, you know better than that. Of course not. Because if God's in this in eight years, I can't wait to see the next eight years. I can't wait to see confirmation kids come back and get married. Not too early, girls, right? <laughs> I can't wait to see pastors raise up or missionaries raise up. I can't wait for people who retire and say, you know what? God has called me to the mission field in Africa, and we're going. I can't wait to see more diaconal ministers like Perio. I can't wait to see what God has in store. Why? Because Christ is on the loose, and the gospel always advances. And guess what? There are still homes in this track that need to know Jesus and need to know the love of God. And there's homes near you and people in your own lives who still need to hear the, the gospel. And so we speak it and we show it and we live it day by day, week by week, month by month. Christ is on the loose. The gospel is advancing. You can't stop it. And thank God for that. Christ is on the loose. The gospel is advancing. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.